he was superfluous on this roster, especially with Gabriel Moreno's incredible ascension through the ranks of the, of the system. tells us that will be Ross Stripling. Um, and that's... In a remarkable reversal of fortune from the first month of the season. I don't know. We'll think of a clever one for next week, but we'll come up with something. All right. Well, hope Josh forgets. Yes. Uh, very it's more likely. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 215 of Artificial Turf Wars. It only seems like we've been gone for a month. I am your host, Greg Wazdowski, and I am joined by the very excited, I'm sure, Josh Howsome. Josh, how are you tonight? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there. It feels like a lot has happened for like three days. <laughs> we have six days in our space since we last recorded, so I'm good. Deadlines have a way of doing that to you. Um, you know, in work, in life, and in baseball, deadlines are important. So the Jays get Jose Barrios for Simeon Woods Richardson and uh, Austin Martin. Is that the right Martin? Yes. Okay. I always want to call someone some Riley or something. Anyway, uh, that was the big move, and we're going to talk about it for a while, I presume. Then there were two more small moves. Brad Hand is in the Blue Jays' bullpen because the bullpen needed a hand. And um, Joaquin Soria, who I assumed had retired, has also uh, joined the Blue Jays. Uh, they, while we were gone, they split two games versus the Sox, came home and swept the Royals. I don't even know what order to talk about all that in, but we do have the state of the roster after all of this jumbling up. Uh, the, the rotation is very different. Uh, the bullpen is obviously very different. And then, um, there is the small matter of the lineup, which hasn't changed much, but Santiago Espinal, uh, who made an incredible catch to end a game. Uh, was out there because it looks like he may be the everyday third baseman at the moment. Uh, also, for fun, Vlad was forced to take a day off. And special note, George Springer is super awesome. We have a gold star for Joey Votto, who turns out to also be a stat cast nerd in, in, <laughs> in addition to everything else he does that we love. Uh, yeah, and, and that will get us over the hump, so to speak. Do you think we can squeeze that into an hour? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Jose Barrios. Is that the right pronunciation? Yes, Barrios. Barrios. Not like Alex Barrios. Uh, is very good at what he does. Uh, and came at what I am told by the internet is far too high a price to pay for what he does. What is your thought on that? Well, okay. <clears throat> There's far too high, which would imply they should not have done it. And then there's more than expected which i was the where i would lean like so we, last week we report recorded and i actually commented on Brios and i said that he was good uh but you know i didn't i didn't love Brios, but I, but he was good and he'd be a nice piece to add and I, I stick by that where he was traded for an ace package and he's not an ace he's a this isn't david price walking through the door despite his six shot out innings today he's uh i, I think i excellent three or a decent two and but that's what the cost was and the jays needed that so i don't mind them paying it i do find it very strange the number of people who are or like wow the jays just got hosed here and overpaid 
um, without considering, I, I mean, I guess if, if you take that trade in isolation, is a year and, and two months of uh, Jose here worth um, worth Woods Richardson plus, um, you know, the first rounder Martin, um, in isolation, I guess you could say absolutely that sounds crazy. But this is a Blue Jays team that absolutely still needed rotation help. Um, and is going to want to compete next year. So that extra year to the Jays is probably more important than it is to a lot of other teams. Uh, and it's a team that just went through the trouble of adding um, Richards and adding Simber and adding Hand and adding Soria. So it's like, to, but yeah, but yeah, but it's, it's a team that's doing a whole lot of things. To me, this makes a lot of sense in, in that mix. Um, and honestly, you're not all of your prospects end up on the major league roster. Well, that's the thing. Prospects are for replenishing your team and for trade capital. Yeah. And, you know, Woods Richardson, like we did a podcast, I don't know, maybe about a month ago at this point with Jeff Padronostro of Baseball Perspectives. And we asked about both these guys. So, you know, if you're curious for the scouting report, go back and listen to that one. But neither of them were described as lock superstars to us. Uh, Martin was the more likely to be the above average player you know wood richardson he basically described is like he's probably a three and if not maybe less and he's the guy who's gonna have to prove it at every level and right now he's not proving it so why wouldn't you trade that if you can get a guy who's proving it at the big league level <laughs> you know well that's the thing with burrios is he's super of, of all the things that you might you know want to look at him he's really consistent compared to a lot of other pitchers and people compare him to Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman has had up and down years. Barrios pretty much has not. He has been this, as steady as she goes, both with the performance and the the injury history, not to jinx it, um, for for as long as he's been in the big leagues and he's 27 years old. So he's he's not Max Scherzer at the end of a, of a long free agent contract. I, to me, it's like th this is a move that is worth – uh, making like you said if it's not the perfect move no but, but the perfect move's not out there no and another thing that you sort of got to there with durability is he goes deep in games too which if you're talking about this blue jays bullpen which well, we're gonna get to is much improved but yeah you know that that, that still really helps it uh, if you look at this past series all ex even stripling went into the sixth but they all went at least into the sixth and or beyond that for every pitcher not stripling. And then it allows them to use two guys this day, two guys that day, another two guys this day, or three or four, or whatever the number is. But so they're not all your guys pitching on the same two days every single time. By the way, you, you mentioned Trevor Richards. I don't know why I keep calling him Strickland. I, I keep thinking his name is Hunter Strickland, <laughs> who's a totally different and like Completely different style pitcher. <laughs> but I've, ever since Trevor Richards broke into the big leagues with the Marlins as a starter, I've still thought his name was Hunter Strickland. I'm sorry if you got really confused last episode of the show. R randomly, uh, Bernhard Langer and Langhard Berger are uh, a Formula One driver and a golfer, and I can never remember which is which. So Yeah, that makes more sense than Hunter Strickland and Trevor Richards. Like, There's nothing similar there. They're just both right-handed pitchers. But uh, – but anyway, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so, yeah, like the rotation with Jose Barrios in it is one of the better ones in the American League. And 
that's it. The Jays have a shot at the postseason, and that makes things a lot easier having that guy taking the ball every five or at the moment six days, which we'll get to. And then for next year, he's not going to cost a ton of money because he's still in the arbitration process and it allows them to have that guy in their roster and then reallocate the money they were going to spend on a pitcher to another pitcher or a third baseman or shortstop or whatever they want to do. It, it gives them the ability to make the team even better. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it taken in the scope of what the Blue Jays are trying to do. I think it's a perfectly sensible price to pay. Um, I. <laughs> I am fascinated by by people who, again, the, it's the internet that tells me who are who are just bound and determined to make this the worst move the, the Blue Jays could have made. You know, just just a, an insane move, and then not suggest any alternative to what they might have tried to do. Like, did did you really uh, think the Blue Jays had the pieces to get Max Scherzer, who wanted to play on the West Coast? They actually did, but they definitely had the pieces, and they probably could have done that, but. You know, we talked about this thing for next year and the value there that didn't apply with, with Scherzer. And if you're going to be trading top prospects, you may as well get the guy who can be here next year too. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't yeah. Know. So, but I, I tend not to listen to the the loud noise on the internet. Uh, it's I think that that's kind of a, a recipe for madness. <laughs> Well, I enjoy a little madness in my life. Okay. So there was one thing that was interesting about Berrios today, though, in his in his outing for just before we move on. Yeah. Uh, his outing with the Jays, he threw how many pitches was it? He threw ninety five pitches, of which thirty nine were curveballs. Wow. He's got a really good curveball, and that's already higher than his average for the entire season. And it's, I'd be interested to see if the Jays think they can get something even better out of him than he's than they've than he's shown to this point. He's thrown more than that in two outings, but other than that, he's been below it. So I'm just curious to see how they treat him and see if they can try to make him an even better than the two three I described earlier, with some tweaks to his repertoire and usage. Um, yeah, the Blue Jays have uh, three of the top ten pitchers in ERA in the American League right now. So, I mean, we talk about, oh, they've got a good three, but uh, we are talking about a group of elite <laughs> uh, starting pitchers who just need to go a little bit deeper into games than has been the average, and, and maybe it all works out. Uh, we'll, we'll get to a question about run differential later, about it all working out. Um, so, <laughs> we move to the bullpen, where Brad Hand joins the Blue Jays, I'm, I'm sorry, I even lost who he was traded for, but he he was closing games for the Nationals, was he not? Yeah, he was. So I I, I tweeted this out when the, when, the, when the trade happened. Is I'm not sure if Brad Hand's still good. He might be. Uh, it's hard because so, so he had some of the, uh, the stuff drop over the past month. Right. And his performance over the past month has been quite bad. So I don't know exactly what to make of what he is. That said, Brad Hand has a very good track record. And he's trading for Riley Adams, by the way. I just forgot, I forgot realized we didn't mention that. So we talked about this on the podcast last week that they would probably trade some guys off the 40 man, and that was one of them. But even if he's not Brad Hand, the elite closer, 
he's still another useful useful guy who can get some outs for you at the back of a bullpen. And the Jays needed as many of those as they could get. Yeah, we we we've been talking for a while about two more arms, and you could argue that by the you know, even if between uh, you know Simber Richards Hand and Soria, if they don't all pan out, they they probably got the equivalent of two to three decent back you know, decent bullpen ar- arms out of that list. I think you, again at this point, if you are trying to make a run for it, and the Blue Jays absolutely one hundred percent indicated they are you know they were buying. Uh, then if Brad Hand is available because the Nationals are having a fire sale, I I don't see why you don't at least try Brad Hand and see what he can do. Right, exactly. And the cost was their fourth string catcher, I guess. Well, third string while Jansen is out, but still, fourth string catcher. And he was superfluous on this roster, especially with Gabriel Moreno's incredible ascension through the ranks of the, of the system to the point where I think he was – fifth on Keith Law's top 100 mid-season list or top 50. I mean, like, really huge rise through the baseball prospect ranks. And, yeah, and then they, they, you mentioned it before, they added Soria as well, another because I thought they needed another right-handed arm because they've got all these lefties. <laughs> Soria nice pickup I like quite a bit. Um, he was uh, having a, a weirdish year, I guess, with Arizona where – all of his peripherals suggest he should have had a better ERA than 4.3. And I think that's kind of what the Jays are banking on. He's like, he's a reliever who throws strikes and gets strikeouts. And when you think of Simber, him, and even Brad Hand, who has improved his strike throwing in recent years, I think there could have been a conscious effort to try to get some more of these guys after some of the wild rides we've had <laughs> over the previous years, previous months. Well, yeah, certainly there are there are a lot of. It's hard to find a consistent reliever, you know, the year to year to year to year. But it, in terms of guys who have a track record, I think Hand and Soria are are veterans, you know, who've established what they generally do. So you're, and again, are they are they high injury risk, which tended to be the problem with a lot of uh, of the other guys that were brought in in the off season? I don't think they are. No, uh, neither of them has any real extensive injury history. So it's like, oh, we we went we went too hard in one way. Let's correct for that and fill the bullpen up with arms for the next eight weeks. And I'm I'm all I'm all in. Let's go nuts. I want to see this team win games. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did really assume that Soria had retired because I remember him being on the 2015 Royals. That was like six years ago. <laughs> 28. Yeah. He, I mean, he <laughs> debuted in 2007 with Kansas City. Yeah. So it's that's not I'm not mocking him. I really honestly it's like wow if he's still decent I'll take him because he's obviously been around the league a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not he's not young. He's 37, but whatever, still getting the job done. He's still getting the job done. Who cares? Exactly. So since we last left our heroes, uh, the Blue Jays, they split those last two games with the Sox. One of those, uh, or was it? Th- Do we miss three games? Yeah, I think they, they had lost the first one when we recorded last, actually. Right. And then they came back with the monster offense game. Yep. And then, which which I think is what we're hoping happens every time they faced Eduardo Rodriguez. Was it Eduardo Rodriguez? They yeah, it was. Did, yeah. <laughs> they just destroyed him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing left him. Just, just a dead fish. Um, and then it became one of those, can anybody play this year game kind of kind of outings. 
then a, a rainout, which was followed by a double header. I like the Jays' odds in the short double headers because I, you know, this bullpen, right? But I managed to to do the symmetrical thing. They they won four one, and then they turned around and lost by exactly the same score. So, I mean, a split of a series with the Sox had the Jays been in a better position, I would be kind of okay with. But I was disappointed. Especially on the road. Yeah, but 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 as a result of where they've been lately and their inability to beat guys better than them, I, I'll be honest. I was just disappointed. I was like, that's not an. And then the Jays come home. Uh, you were at said home game with your uh, ticket in hand. That must have been, I, I think we think that sports are, you know, something that we only get excited about right at the end of the season or get emotional about right at the end of the season. But I think that experience from what everybody has said reminds us that there's something else going on with a sports team for a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so it, I was there, as you said, and it was an emotional affair. They, they did a really good job of capturing not just what it meant for the players to be coming back here, but what it meant for the fans for them to be coming back here. They did, they kept, they did a video thing on the board. They, they did two of them. First was the players and the second one was the fans talking. And this idea of what it means to have this thing here after all of the nonsense of the last 16 months, 16, somewhere in there. 671 yeah, the days. Well, I meant COVID. But the the idea that some part of what you remember and that it was part such a part of your daily ritual is back. And they didn't shy away from that aspect of it. I mean, they made a huge deal out of it. They had it. They treated it like a home opener at the end of July. And I, you just couldn't have asked for them to honor the fans of the city and the city itself better than they did. And I was really, really proud of it. Yeah, I, I think it, it was very um, – it's very difficult to acknowledge all of the different things that, that – uh, have been missing and all of the things that the players have had to sort of endure and get it into like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes while you introduce the team or whatever method you're going to do that to sort of, cause you have to, you have to like encapsulate it and then you have to move on and actually play baseball games. Um, and, and that's a heck of a line to walk, to, to give it enough space to breathe and then to, to move on to the part where, okay, now we're going to go try and win a, you know, a, a championship one way or the other. Um, and I also, I admire the, the hand with which they, they manage that. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much I can add to that. Um, Charlie Montoyo was, I mean, he clearly wears his heart on his sleeve generally now that we see him without a mask, but how, how choked up he was at the, during that pregame ceremony was, is still quite remarkable to me to see. Yeah, so I, because I was there, I didn't see that, but I saw some of the comments from him later, and he wouldn't lie about that. And obviously, it sounds like you saw it. You know, they they they, they cared. I, they, I mean, Ross Stripling was talking afterwards about how he was so thrilled that he was the guy who got that start and he got to be a part of that. And I, it didn't sound like empty words. I really believed that it meant something for them to be back here, and then that's what you want. You want people to care about playing in your city. Yeah, and I'm sure there was a we better bloody well win this game 
<laughs> vibe going through the whole clubhouse the whole time. And lo and behold, they did. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Uh, so they came home now. You know, no no win is guaranteed, but of of all the teams on the you know the list that you would hope the Jays could beat three in a row, I think the Royals are somewhere near the top. So it's yeah, very, yeah, confidence boosting. They did do exactly that, and they came in winning, eight, having won eight of ten. It's like, oh no, don't <laughs> don't be catching the Royals on fire again. Because when they played them in Kansas City, it was in the Royals were in, were red hot before. <laughs> Yeah, and it, they they were not. They got cooled off immediately by Ross Stripling in the bullpen, and then well, they they just got shut down in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, uh, it uh, it seems like obviously, I mean, it seemed like against the Texas Rangers, all the parts were doing what they were supposed to do, uh, but in this case, uh, once again, three games in a row against a mediocre team, and the Blue Jays look like they should be competing for the division title yeah and then they got four against another mediocre team in cleveland the real test will be the following weekend which is when they have uh four games against boston including another double header that'll be really showing them where the new look version of the team actually is it'd be really nice if they could go in there on a nice winning streak uh, you know I, I made a joking but not completely joking prediction that the jays are going to run the table until that series I think uh, it's possible. I think the uh, Jays are better than Cleveland, and I think they match up ahead of them every single game in the series. And Cleveland is measur measurably worse than earlier in the season um, between injuries and, and obviously not going for it. So, yeah, I would love to see them run the table. Um, so do we want to talk about run differential now? Or do we want to say no, that? No, we have for, a question about it. Okay, Let's okay, just save it for the questions. Okay, but we, so we should break down what the roster yes. looks like now i guess uh so we'll start with the rotation uh you add barrios and alec manoa comes back after uh, his fall down the stairs and recovering from that um he did not look like he had loosened up completely in terms of velocity but he certainly had the royals fooled on a whole lot of pitches yeah, I was a little surprised actually at the at the radar gun readings at the game. I was at that one too. I went both the first and second games of the of the series. I mean, work. He still got tons of swings and misses on his fastball, even though it was topping at 93, 94. His velocity hasn't actually been as expected since he debuted. You know, he was a guy who was hitting a hundred occasionally in the minors, and he hasn't come close to that in the big leagues. So, I'm not sure if it's short versus long outings, but I don't really care <laughs> you know, as long as he's getting swings and misses and throwing seven shutout innings. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go deep and make him look silly. Um, and again, swings and misses with the fastball is, is tells you how deceptive that must be even at 93 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, so you have a, okay. So the, what is the blue Jays rotation now? Obviously Hyunjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, Jose Barrios, Alec Manoa, and then what? Right now, it's Ross Stripling and Steven Matz. The reason for that is because of the doubleheader. <laughs> they, <laughs> they need six starters for the short term. And they have another doubleheader the following week, so they'll need six starters again. I think 
at that point, it'll be whoever's pitching better of Steven Matson, Ross Stripling. And the last couple of months tells us that will be Ross Stripling. Um, and that's a remarkable reversal of fortune from the first month of the season. <laughs> no kidding. Between them, they've had a great season and a not very good one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they lined it up too so that in the four gamer against Boston, the four pitchers will be Ray, Ryu, Barrios, and Manoa. Not in that order, but those will be the four guys, and that's perfect. Those are their four best, and they're going to be pitching the four games that matter the most. Well, considering Ross dribbling specific problems with Boston, I'm I I could see exactly why they did that. Yep. Uh, and then okay. there's the bullpen. Yeah, and then there is the bullpen indeed, which uh, is the, I mean, half of it is totally new look from a month ago. Um, how do you how do you line guys up right now yourself? So I think that the closer is still for the most part Jordan Romano, but he'll share saves with Brad Hand depending on when they want to use Romano, if they want to use him to break, get out of a, a tough jam in the eighth or something like that. Cause he's still their best, at least until Nate Pearson comes back, which we'll get to in a bit, but, or I'll get to later in the show. But so they're, they're the eight guys that are currently in the bullpen, the righties are Romano, Soria, Simberg, Richards, and Dolis. And the lefties are hand Barucki and Mesa. I basically think at this point, Dolis is mop up. <laughs> which I mean, he's pitching quite well since coming back he hasn't given up a run uh, Dolice and Barucki are probably the bottom two on that totem pole and then you have Romano in hand as the closer and everybody else is just whenever you need them in the middle of the game yeah uh, because we've seen you know as an example Simber be extremely effective at at getting his out um, with that sidearm look and I I think that's how Charlie Montoya was going to use him. Whenever he need, feels like he needs a different look to get him three outs or, I believe, five outs, was it, the other day? Um, four, all strikeouts. Four. Like, who saw that coming from Adam Simber? But, and he's a sinker baller, so, or, he's, you know, he throws down there, he gets a lot of ground balls. So, yeah, he'll be, he'll be a, definitely a matchup type kind of situation. And then he and Richards can both throw multiple innings. So, they don't have a long man right now, which is interesting because they sent Hatch and Thornton down. And I think the idea is to hopefully get through these next 15 or so games without needing it. And then whichever starter goes to the bullpen becomes a long man. And that makes sense to me. I, I mean, you, you can see how they're only looking now for nine, maybe 12 outs from the bullpen on a, on a regular night, maybe six. Um, whereas earlier in the season, we were looking at, you know, 12 to 15 outs from the bullpen because things were just not clicking. And those are two very different strategies to try and build a bullpen around. And, and also before it was, you needed 12 outs back to back days and you only had maybe six outs from relievers you could count on. Yeah. This now there are eight relievers who you can count on to get three and some of them more than three. Yeah, so you could go four one day and four the next day and be fine, which they couldn't do before. Like they were getting into the the dregs of their bullpen because of the the requirement on twelve outs every day, and it just didn't work. Yeah. So you know, all that speaks to things looking good. Uh, is that all about the bullpen? Are we, have we have we? I think we've rounded that out. 
Yeah, I think and we covered it. The only other major change, other than I, Alejandro Kirk, I presume, is the the everyday catcher. Uh, I haven't really been paying attention. Uh, and then uh, Santiago Espinal might be the everyday third baseman. I think he's more of in a platoon almost now, like a strict platoon with Biggio, which was not the case before, even though Biggio doesn't really have any kind of platoon splits. But he has earned more playing time. And because of that, that is how, at least out of the All-Star break, they have used him. He actually played all three games because Vlad sat today, as you alluded to at the top of the show, and we'll get to again. But, you know, he's hitting 311 with a 359 on base and a 407 slugging. And he's playing elite defense at third base. It's hard to see that lasting, but at the same time, you kind of got to play the guy while he's doing that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't I don't think you disincentivize good uh, offensive play with defense that is better than anybody else who's been out there this year, period. I mean, yeah, it, it's not a, it's not, you know, oh, well, you got to you got to take the hit with the bat right now just to get the glove in there. It's like, oh, you can you can have both as long as he keeps hitting like this uh, or close to this. I, I can and he's hitting better that. than Biggio. Yeah. He's hitting him fielding better than Biggio. So at some point, this might, if he keeps doing it, it won't be a platoon at all anymore. He'll just have the job. Yeah. And Biggio will be spelling someone on their day off and nothing more. Yeah. And he may, so you alluded to this at the the very top, but we're talking about this home, the home opener. How much better can you end a game than that catch he made? Uh, So something, so he made a barehanded catch. Um, running away from um, the infield at at full speed um, on his right-hand side. It was wild to see it happen. But I don't know if you were you – you were at that game, right? Yes. Did you see Did you see what happened just before that with, play? With Charlie Montoyo telling him to move in for the bunt? Yes. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> Now, that's not wrong. I'm not criticizing no, Charlie Montoya. Right. Yeah, you cannot let Gerard Dyson bunt his way on as the tying run or to bring the tying run to the plate. But it's just uh, really funny. It's like, yeah, he's like, all right, watch the bunt. He steps, make, takes like four steps in and the flare goes all, like right to where he was standing. So sometimes baseball's drama is just weird. <laughs> but that was really cool. Yeah, I was losing my mind. I couldn't believe how good that catch was. I, I said, I don't know if I've seen a better catch live. I probably have, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. It was unreal. Infielder catches are extremely hard to compare as opposed to outfielder catches because yeah. I think they happen so quickly most of the time, right? That the the, the, the idea of, of getting there, you don't have a chance to anticipate it. You know, whereas a guy climbing an outfield wall, you can kind of evaluate what was going on. He's just, that was just raw talent. Going to get that ball, which is awesome. Um, yeah. So days off and Vlad. Vlad has not had a day off all year. Or uh, last year. Or last year. Uh, so I think for a Sunday afternoon game, after maybe he was um, expressing some some slight discomfort in his wrist or something in the last couple of days, I think Charlie Montoya told him you. Charlie Montoya told him you are sitting down on Sunday, and then. It is not exactly clear what happened, but he ended up um, roped to the bench. <laughs> yeah, the Oscar Hernandez and Springer tied him to the bench. 
I don't was he insisting that he was going to go in at some point? Is that what they were afraid of? That he was just going to accidentally work his way into the lineup? Or they just wanted to mess with him because it's the first time they've been able to be on the bench with him and not have to worry about anything because he's played every game for the last two years. <laughs> uh, he did a little infield coaching as well, I saw in the highlights, because you got to keep busy when you're not in the lineup. Um, he definitely seemed to be having a good time. He did the wave. They were winning the game and from pretty much the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with Vlad taking a day off. I, I think... I think, you know, at least once a month would be reasonable. The the, the the days of the Iron Man player are long, long gone. And um, I would much rather have a fresh Vlad Guerrero Jr. for September than one who is all worn out. Though I am sure, as he has attested himself during one of those clips at the All-Star game, was uh, part of his, a big part of his feeling good was losing the weight. So maybe he, he feels that good about, about being in the shape he's in. Yeah, but I think it was the right time. You know, you have a clear matchup in terms of a matchup advantage, rather, in terms of you against the Royals with Barrios on the mound. It's like, we think we can win this one without you. And they were correct. They could. So now he gets to be a little fresher for Cleveland and Boston. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to George Springer. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> That's my expert analysis right there. <laughs> <laughs> George Springer, not just good, so good. Yeah, I mean, the, the so on this on Saturday, hit his 40th career leadoff home run, which is the highest among active players by a long shot. And then he hit another one, and it, and it's just when you haven't seen the guy in a Blue Jays uniform in person, it's just oh, this is right. This is why we signed him. Like this is why he's a Blue Jay, and. You know, a lot was made of his poor start. He's now hitting 266 with a 365 on base and a 586 slugging. I, I guess it'll play, Josh. Yeah, 951 OPS. It's not bad, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the Blue Jays in the long run are going to get what they paid for. I think it was really unfortunate, you know, the way the first year kind of, kind of very slowly got George Springer into the lineup. But... Um, he seems to be having fun here as well. Uh, everybody on this team seems to be having fun. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, are we at the point where we talk about run differential? You keep bringing it. We have a question about it. Oh, we're not there yet then. Fine. You know what? I'm gonna, I think right now that I'm going to break for questions, and then we're going to come back and we're going to hunt for that one that I so desperately want to discuss. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. And we are back. And we are better than ever. And if you don't believe that, well, obviously you haven't been watching the Blue Jays lately. Um, yeah, we're back and I'm gonna I'm going to get to the question about run differential right after I play the stinger that tells you how important questions are. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? 
All right, so Trillimo Pena is the one who's helping me out. Marks Burley at Trillimo Pena. Does the team's tendency to put up giant wins but lose close games make all the talk about their Pythagorean record, and that is the record based on run differential, a bit misleading? Greg really didn't want to talk about this, as evidenced by the first part of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I, I do and I don't. I, I think the point of Pythagorean record is... There's there's no statistical reason why a team would continue to beat people by a lot and lose by a little bit over the long run. So Yes. Sorry, I'll let you continue. So the only question is what is the long run? And is 162 games enough to normalize it? And I don't know if it is. Well, I also think that there's an aspect to this that the question gets at. Giant wins and losing close. You, the Jays pile on garbage time relievers a lot. It's like, yeah, you put up six against the starter, and then they bring in the guy who's the mop-up reliever, and then they get up another seven, right? So that makes the Pythagorean record and the run differential a little skewed relative to what would have happened if they were using the same kind of pitchers in, that they do in a close game, which is why their one-run record is a lot worse because you're facing the elite relievers late in the game as opposed to position players. True. So I just I, I, I do think that it's misleading to a, a sense. Like it, it, it's not as dramatic as it appears to be. That's like oh they have a hundred, plus hundred run rate differential. They should have won way more games than they did. They should have won more games than they have, but not as many as that differential suggests they should have. In my opinion. Well, I guess the other thing that we would have to look at uh, if we were still writing articles on such a thing, uh, which luckily you and I don't have to do anymore, is. Um, do other teams with such a generous run differential have a habit of piling on the crappy in the in the blowout wins and and just are winning more of the the close games? Well, I think that's the difference, right? If a team is piling, every good offensive team will pile on the crappy relievers and inflate their run differential. That just that's part of it. It's just whether they also pile on more often than the Blue Jays have done against the good pitchers. So, okay, Pythagorean record is exaggerated. I think we both agree, but I, 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 do, I think it does speak to a talent level on this team that maybe there is time to reverse fortune on, given the acquisitions that they've just made. Not to say other teams have not also done the really annoying thing, gotten better. Yeah. Uh, Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt asks, Berrios seems to have cost a lot more than Stroman did, while they look like fairly comparable pitchers. Was that due to Atkins not maximizing the Stroman return? Also, have either of you ever pitched to Joey Votto? So ah, that, my, that was a leading question. My first question – well, I can tell you I haven't pitched to Joey Votto. Um, what's, my question about the Stroman return is uh, who was Simeon Woods Richardson traded for? Okay, but <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Kay and at the time Simeon Woods Richardson is, is definitely – a worse return than now Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin. <laughs> yes. No, it's just funny that it's the same uh, same guy going both ways. Yes. Um, as for the answer to the question, the market was just different. You know, the prices were a lot higher at this deadline. And there, I don't know what the reasons for that are. There could be many, but that's just what they were. Like it, the Jays had a choice, either get Barrios or keep those guys. And they chose to get Barrios. Yeah, 
uh, Luke at Skydome. I, well, I, I, oh. I suppose I should deal with oh, the leading yes. part of the second one. So earlier this week, I think it was the Cubs Twitter put a thing, raise your hand if you haven't been victimized by Joey Votto. <laughs> and I was like, well, I actually pitched against Joey Votto when I was just turning 17 and he was just turning 18. We're born two weeks apart. Well, a year and two weeks. And I struck about twice and walked him once. So I was like, no, I haven't actually. He's over two with a walk and two Ks. And then Matt was like, how have you never brought this up on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's kind of braggy. <laughs> it's like it happened when we were teenagers. But yeah, that's that's the case. Fun fact, you and Travis Snyder have both struck out Joey Votto. <sighs> that's exactly what I think of every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, congratulations, Josh. You probably couldn't now for like four <laughs> different reasons. I uh, definitely couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Luke at Skydome uh, at Split Letters asks, what deal at the deadline blew your mind or shocked you the most? The one from the Nationals to the Dodgers. Yep. I can't believe they traded Trey Turner. And I can't believe they traded Turner and Scherzer and that's all they got. That package wasn't that much better than what the Jays gave up for Barrios. It was basically two maybe slightly better prospects, but not necessarily. And then two lower ones. Like it'd be if the Jays tossed in two guys at the bottom of their their system and then got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Uh, yeah, I was just blown away by Like I figured Scherzer was going, but the, oh yeah, uh, Trey Turner. I was like, what? Oh yeah, one of the 15 best players in baseball who's not a free agent. Like, hold, hold on, what? How <laughs> much, much does it suck to be a Nationals fan? They let Bryce Harper go, and then Anthony Rendon go, and now Scherzer and Trey Turner. Um, I will, I will give an honorable mention to Trevor Story as he sits in his Colorado Rockies jersey, not having been moved. <laughs> and yeah, that's the corollary to the question. <laughs> what non-deal shocked you the yeah, most that one right there the Rockies uh, don't know what they're doing no and they never have it's amazing like why are they keeping a 36 year old daniel bard so he's gonna be around the next time they're any good strange strange franchise uh must be the thin air dave church at dave underscore church with the jay's new acquisitions would you, would would say would you say the front office was trying uh to bury us in talented players uh, Barrios, ah, ah, I, I can't even respond to that question because it's, it's exactly the joke I would be making, except I'd already made the Brad Hand joke. There is a joke. There is a response. Waka waka waka. <laughs> Fozzie Bear says, "Just, just keep going, Dave." Um, <laughs> Mikey at Mikey underscore Ptech. Uh, says, I wonder how far the front office would go to research a player's character. Morneau had some great insights and raved about his character, presumably Barrios, uh, on Blue Jay Central. Would they have consulted players like Morneau who they have easy access to? Yes, absolutely they would. They they talk to, and their own players have interacted with these guys too. They care. It's very obvious that that is something that matters to the Blue Jays, and that's kind of why they didn't really pursue a return with Donaldson because I mean, if you listen to Liam Hendricks, there were issues with Donaldson in the clubhouse and I don't know what the deal is with Stroman, but there definitely were some issues with like Aaron Sanchez at the time. And I think it's something they care about with having a good clubhouse. And you look at this dugout, I mean, they're having fun. They really like being around each other. And you saw the other day, Adam Simber doing his little jump warm up, <laughs> and 
Guerrero and Semyon. I thought Semyon was the adult in the room. You know, it's like he always seems to be just like the calming influence. And he was doing it too. They they just seem to really really enjoy being around each other. I think that helps. I think um, the you know there's always these discussions about character and about you know you know uh, quality of personality and this and that. I think the Blue Jays are not. I don't think they're aiming for guys who are uh, a specific. How should I put it? Specific, you know, quality of human being per se, but I think they are looking for an attitude um, that results in the team not getting down on itself. Sure, that, that seems to be the 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 character quality that they keep going after, and uh, yeah, and, and I think a guy like Josh Donaldson with the well, this is the get it done league works on a certain team, but it doesn't work on a, on a team that is just always just hey man we're gonna get him tomorrow because we know we are we are way more loose and way more relaxed than anybody else and that's gonna let our talent show through and that seems to be the attitude at the end of that dugout over and over again the weird conversations the you know the jokes the in jokes the handshakes the jacket the home run we haven't even talked about the home run jacket (laughs) just stole my final thought but we can do it now go ahead (laughs) where did they get this jacket from i don't understand I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> I love that they they have this. You know, the the Padres when they hit a grand slam, they get to wear the giant clock or the gold chain. <laughs> and I just like teams giving out celebratory things. And then I like that Santiago Espinal is the guy currently wearing the jacket. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen, it's a suit jacket. It's not like a warm up jacket or anything. It is a dark blue suit jacket. What is on the back? I haven't gotten a good look yet. It's covered in badges of some kind. I don't know exactly what. Patches. I, mean, I hope you get to add your own patch if you're the next guy to hit a home run and haven't worn the jacket yet. That's what that I That would be amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think absolutely this team, you're, you, I agree with you. The team values a specific kind of character and they, they maybe have picked and chosen people we don't expect just because of that character. Uh, Smiley Face Picnic at Smiley Face Picnic. Uh... LFG? LFG. <laughs> yeah. Lots of fun goodness. Um, Mark Burley, we did that question. Uh, Andrew Arnold, at Arnie underscore 1981. Since Greg is solely responsible for Gallo becoming a Yankee, did I did I predict Gallo becoming a Yankee or did I predict no, becoming a Blue Jay? No, yeah. you that the Jays would get him, which meant yeah. it couldn't happen. Due to my cursed prediction, all predictions are cursed. Uh, on last week's episode, what should my recompense be? I don't think I can make that call, Josh. Well, it's a good thing you read this after the other one. I was going to say your recommendation should be that we're not allowed to talk about run differential after you were just trying to talk about it in the first half. I don't know. We'll think of a clever one for next week, but we'll come up with something. Or I will hope Josh forgets. Yes. Uh, Prairie Jays. More likely. (laughs) Jays Prairie. Who did the Jays play in the wild card game? Nobody, because they're winning the division. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, But really, Boston. Yeah. Well, Boston, you you feel like Boston is fading, like a. I think Tampa is going to win that division. Like I actually port- think Boston's the better team, but I think Tampa's going to win because the Rays. <laughs> because <laughs> the Rays, it's the old. I love this. I love this move for Tampa. Who who did they give up and who did they get? Um, Will at Will underscore Brom, a double underscore Brom. Now that the deadline has occurred. Who are some players in the Jays system other than Nate Pearson who you think can have an impact for the team down the stretch? 
So there's two names other than the ones that have appeared on the, on the roster that have gone up and down like Hatch and Thornton and whatever. Kevin Smith. I think if Espinal ever stops hitting, that's when Kevin Smith joins the roster. He's having a monster season in AAA, and he's totally reworked his swing to be able to make more contact because he was, you know, he had some good years and he was a decent prospect and he was terrible in 2019. But he's having a great year now in Buffalo, and I think he's the next guy. And then John Axford. Uh, yeah. You know, it's hard to think of him. We think of down on the like in the system, but he's just dominating for the Bisons after getting called in from the booth to join the <laughs> it is he showed, not... he showed well at the, at the Olympic qualifier and they're like oh you can still go and I think that he's either going to be up soon or he'll be let go to go somewhere else because he looks great I'm just amazed by the whole like oh well they got this guy from the independent leagues no no they got this guy from the broadcast booth are you kidding yep. me Ah, well, that beard couldn't stay off the field forever. Um, Colleen Evans at Colleen. I, by the way, I I agreed with your first guy right off the bat. So there you go. Um, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans six. Hello again, Colleen. How do you see the addition of Corey Dickerson changing the outfield playing time? Also, do you think we will see John Axford pitch for the Jays soon? Uh, we answered that one accidentally just a second ago. Uh, it's. I think it's tough to figure out how you get Axford on this roster barring an injury. Right now, it's well. Now that they added Soria and Hand, I I don't see it. It's uh, it's too bad because he's doing so well. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, someone will possibly get hurt. I don't want to wish it, but it's good to have the depth in case it happens. And I think at worst he'll be up in September when the rosters expand to twenty eight. But Corey Dickerson, uh, I'm surprised we haven't actually heard more about Dickerson's imminent uh, return from the disabled list. Well, I think there's just not much to say. I mean, he's doing his rehab down in the minors, and when he's ready, he's ready. And he's not hitting great in the minors in his rehab, so I think they'll give him a little more time to find his swing. But I think that once he's ready to go, he basically will platoon or semi-platoon with Randall Grichuk, would be my guess. Um. Yeah. Uh, wins and flosses at wins and flosses, whom you cannot retweet because he's locked his account, which is a shame because there's a lot of zingers in there. Since you guys are the experts on artificial turf, uh, which I specifically said, you know, this that that's what this podcast is about, right? Artificial turf and artificial turf accessories. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new artificial turf? It looks great. <laughs> I actually thought it looked really good. My thought on artificial turf in general is... How short is the warranty on an entire massive field of artificial turf? Well, they replace it every two years, so probably pretty short. <laughs> and and to me, that that speaks to an inferior product. And I think it's probably because of the monopoly in the uh, in the space. Is is my guess? Like, it's it's a lot of work, and apparently, it's always like super custom. They change the direction, as minor leaguer uh, on Twitter pointed out. They've changed the direction of the stripes. Uh, they've widened the warning tracks, it looks like. Uh, and there are no more seams. Oh, there's no seams. None. How do, how do you unroll that carpet in one piece? I don't know. I don't know the <laughs> mechanics of it. I just know that it's no seams. Because that was the complaint forever, right? It bounced off a seam. Uh, there's yes. no trays either, right? 
Because when we had trays, you had to put the, the the right trays down in the right order or it changed the infield? Yes, <laughs> that's correct. That, that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, my goodness. Like, they've been making artificial turf since the 60s, and it still sounds like they're trying to figure out how to do it. Anyway, it's good. Yeah, it's better. It's obviously better. Just ask the people at AstroTurf. That brings us to the end of the questions, uh, which means that we're going to slide on over and we're going to give Joey Votto an, a gold star, and it's not for him hitting a bunch of home runs in consecutive games. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. He did earn it because uh, apparently he really wants to capture our hearts. I think that's the whole thing with Joey Votto. Like, he, specifically us, you and me. Yeah. It doesn't, there's nobody else. Um, when asked about a streak in which uh, he had hit home runs in seven consecutive games and uh, failed to do so only by the barest of margins at City Field. Playing the Mets, weren't they? Uh, sounds right. Uh, his quote was, I'm a bit of a stat cast nerd. And it started with an 0 0.90 expected batting average home run on a 98 mile an hour weak fly ball that carried into the first couple of rows in Cincinnati. And it ended on a 109 or 110 mile per hour line drive off the wall. And that's baseball. It's great. He actually looked it up. <laughs> he, he's just like us, except, you know, good at baseball to the point where he makes $250 million. Uh, I think he is worth every dollar. I, I gave him a gold star for doing legit play-by-play. -play. Did I not? You did, uh, yes. Yes. Now it turns out he would he would be like the David, uh, David Cohn of play-by-play -play in terms of keeping up with the statistics, uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, also... Any of the highlights of him cheering himself on from this Homer streak are also amazing. Yeah, but no hits against me. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's all moot. Uh, I got... <laughs> He's awesome. I love it. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I think the one great crime of the last 10 years is that Canada's team, the Toronto Blue Jays, has never found a way to get Joey Votto 600 plate appearances in a Blue Jays uniform. He had a 12-year contract. How are they supposed to do that? I didn't say they were supposed to. I just think it's, <laughs> it seems a, a darn shame that that, and I mean, now we, we have it first. I couldn't justify Joey Votto coming in for 600. It, various things have prevented that. But um, yeah, I, I, I wish Joey Votto all the best in his future endeavors. And I award him one gold star, which he may... Um, if he provides his uh, home mailing address, he may uh, he may receive in the mail via courier from us. Which means we're rounding out to the part of the podcast where <clears throat> I've already stolen your final thought. So you, you've had to develop another in the late going. Has it happened? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Nate Pearson. It came up in the questions. I mentioned it in the first part of the show. So he's throwing full out bullpens and he's going to be starting a rehab assignment imminently. When he does come back in the bullpen, assuming, you know, he doesn't re-injure himself, which could happen. I think that Ryan Barucki might be in the minors. <laughs> I, does I, he have options? Then yes. 
Yeah, I just of all the people that I did not expect him to be the one that was going to be on the bubble, but I don't think they're going to get cut Delise because that's what it would be. You can't send him down, and you can't get rid of any. Maze has been awesome, and you're not, and all the other guys you can't send them down. So I think that Baraki might actually end up in the minors, which is crazy to think given how good he was as a reliever last year and what we thought he was going to be this year. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so my final thought is about a little site that was just brought to my attention called uh, StatMuse, which is a site which you can ask in plain English uh, really weird statistical questions. For example, I said, uh, who are the Blue Jays' all-time leaders in playoff OPS? And I found out that among non-pitchers, Cecil Fielder actually has the best all-time playoff OPS um, of 1,000 in three games and three at-bats. Um, you can also ask things uh, that, that sound like a very cobbled-together ESPN stats and info, uh, where if you want to know who is the all-time leader for home runs on a Tuesday... I just Googled that one. <laughs> or Stan used that one. <laughs> Edwin I with 45. Yeah, Blue Jays. Blue Jays is Edwin with 45. Uh, if you want to find that out for any team or the whole league, uh, you can do that. Uh, so it, it does provide some cute little pictures as well, but it also provides a leaderboard if you were wondering who else was on there. So if you want to burn a bunch of time learning useless things about your favorite team and or, and or baseball in general, uh, Stat News will do it. It also does it for other sports, but I mean, do we really care about anything but baseball around here? Nope, no, definitely not. Of course not. So this is a baseball site. Don't worry about anything else. Oh, cool. my goodness. So, yeah, uh, statmuse.com. Other websites which you might be interested in, uh, which is to say... They don't sponsor us, by the way. That was... No. <laughs> Greg is really impressed. <laughs> yeah, I was just really happy because I've always wanted to have these stupid useless statistics, and now, now they're at my fingertips. I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 on the Twitter, and you have been Joshua Hausen at Joshua Hausen. And this, I am told by my computer here, has been... Artificial Turf Wars episode number 215 and rumor has it we will talk at you next week. Mm -hmm.